We are continuing our series on power to change. How many would say, Pastor Scott, I could use a little more strength and power in my life sometimes? Right? We get a little tired, a little weary. We are taking a look this summer at different individuals in the New Testament that were radically transformed, changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're talking about the Holy Spirit power working in us and through us. And this morning we're going to take a look at Saul who, of course, turned into the Apostle Paul. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 9. And I'm going to give you a disclaimer. This is a little more verse content than we typically read, but stay with me because it's worth it. Acts chapter 9. Great persecution was breaking out over this new Christian church. Jesus had just ascended to heaven. The Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost. We see that in Acts chapter 2. They were empowered And now they're spreading the good news about Jesus, that he really is the Messiah. But the Pharisees and the Roman government were really coming against this new church, imprisoning them, stoning them to death, heavy persecution. And this is what it says. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So Paul hated the church. And his name, of course, at this point was still Saul. He was a Pharisee, and he despised the church, and he was arresting them. Verse 3, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, and he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Lord, we pray for the next few moments. Help us to have an attentive ear. Help us to listen and to understand and then to apply these words, O God. Help us to live your word daily, that we become like you, and that you would use us to do great things for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So the mighty apostle Paul, before he was a Christian, was a total heathen who was bent on arresting, persecuting, destroying this newfound movement called the way, which of course was the birth of the Christian church. Let's jump in and see what it says from verse 10. So he was blinded, he was flat on his back, he was humbled, and now he went into Damascus. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in the vision, Ananias, he said, here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight. I like to live on a street called Straight. And inquire of the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come in and put his hands on him so that he might receive his sight. And Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. Why would you ever argue with the Lord and say, but Lord, not a good move. So the Lord said to him, go, for he is chosen, a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles 
kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house. Laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me to you so that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. This is a radical transformation, amen? Uh, we used to watch that show, uh, Biggest Loser. Everybody, anybody watched that show about the weight loss? And uh, these folks would come in very heavy, a lot of obesity, and they would be sent to this grueling, uh, whatever it was, two or three month uh, fitness tests. They were on treadmills. They were lifting weights. They were at their breaking point you know, emotionally, and Julian felt that she was a psychiatrist and psychologist, I guess, because she would talk them through it. They always want to get you to cry. Yeah, we noticed that. You're not successful until you break them down to where they cry, and the poor people are just a puddle, and then finally they can start to you know, reshape them, and they would lose all this weight, just transformed. It was miraculous. And we, we hope that it would stick. You, know, you don't know how long it would stay. And, you know, if you're like me, you're trying to maybe lose a few pounds ourselves. But, but you see this, this visual, uh, physical transformation. However, true transformation of our person really begins on the inside, doesn't it? From the inside out. We see the problems of our world. We see so much uh, chaos, so much hatred, wars and things happening across our world. And we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We pray for those that are being persecuted. And, and people who don't have Christ in their life say, why is this happening? You know, can't the government just figure it out? If you've been around on planet Earth long enough, you realize at some point the government is not our solution. Amen? We need to pray for our leaders. Use your God-given rights. Get out there and vote. But the government won't save us, folks. Uh, that's been proven throughout the decades, throughout the centuries. People who have the love of Jesus in their life, who will stand up and make a difference, Jesus working through you, he is the one that will save. Amen? He is the only way, truth, and life. John 14, 6 tells us that. He is the way. And so we see these things happening, and transformation really is something that happens first in our heart. And our heart is changed. Then we become a different person, a better person, as God makes us into a new creation, I like what 2 Corinthians says, that the old is gone, behold, all things are new. If anybody is in Christ, he is a new creation. Amen? Aren't you happy that he forgives you from all the stuff that we've done? He gives you a clean slate, a pure heart, and, and direction to live the right kind of life. So number one is this. God can change the hardest heart. Pray and believe. He can change the hardest heart. Don't give up praying for your unsaved family members your friends, your co-workers. You might say, well, yeah, but Scott, this guy, you don't know him. He is the worst. He's like, you know, hell on wheels. This person, this man, this woman, whoever it is, I can't stand them. I try to show kindness. I try to break down some walls, and they just have those walls so hard. And maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's an aunt or an uncle. Maybe it's a co-worker. But you know what? The Holy Spirit can do all kinds of things that we can't. Amen. So pray. I like what James says. The effective fervent prayer of the righteous avails much. Tells us that in chapter 5. Continue to pray and believe. I mean, if God can have time stand still, 
if God can do miraculous, he can melt hearts and bring people to that place where they realize they need a Savior. And he brought the Apostle Paul to that place while he was still Saul. He brought him to that place where he uh, exposed his weakness and God declared his greatness. God declared his power and authority. What can melt hearts? Have you ever asked this? Okay, well, I know prayer, Scott. We've covered that. But what else can melt hearts? Those that I'm trying to witness to, that I'm trying to reach to. People that are just, you know they're in pain. You know they're angry. You know they're sad. How can we melt those hearts so that they can come to know the love of Jesus like I have? Well, love and action. The Bible says if you show kindness to somebody, even when they show hatred to you, it's like putting burning coals on their head. They get so uncomfortable because why do you keep showing kindness to me? You know, I've been nothing but rude to you, and yet you still are polite. You still are kind. You're still showing me love. So love and action will melt hearts. Faith lived openly will melt hearts as well. Amen? If we're living what we believe, truth, righteousness, integrity, honesty, right, humility, living these things, they're going to see Jesus in you. And after a while, they'll come around. I had a job, one of many, when I was working my way through Bible college. And I might have mentioned him before, but uh, when I was about 19 or 20, I was a swamper for Stacy's Furniture in Richmond, B.C., and from some of you might say, what is a swamper? A swamper is somebody who delivers furniture. And they do it all day long, sometimes 12-hour shifts. And we would travel all over the Vancouver Lower Mainland and deliver lots of furniture, oftentimes big pieces, into little apartments where they had no business buying that kind of furniture. Don't get a sofa sectional when you live in a condo in Vancouver. Just don't do it. They don't fit in the elevator. They won't fit through your doors. Think about these things. But nonetheless, we would deliver them. And on the first day of the job, I was working my way through Bible school. So every summer I'd work. And during school, I would work. And uh, I showed up, and my boss was six foot eight. He was a six foot eight, foul mouthed, chimney smoking Irishman named Tim. And I'm half Irish, but this guy was bad news. He was big, he was mean, and he just didn't like people. And so I showed up, hi, I'm, I'm Scott, you know, nice Bible college student, all fresh-faced and bright-eyed, ready to work hard this summer. And he said this, he said, you know what, my swampers, none of them last more than a month, and I don't expect you to be any different. This, this was the pep talk I got. And so uh, they were kind of showing me the loading docks there where you'd load up the trucks, and, and a guy was stepping in to kind of work with him. He said, get out, let him do it, I want to see what he can do. So I got down there and muscled the thing. Okay, he's strong enough to get the job done. And that summer, full-time, we would deliver furniture all over the lower mainland. And it was a, a decent job. I needed the money. But I saw Tim change from somebody who was just mean and nasty. And I mean, you talk about a sailor's mouth. You're driving a truck through downtown Vancouver. He hated everybody. And he had many, many words to describe the fellow drivers. And he was smoking like he was a chimney smoker. And so I was stuck in the cab with this guy. He would crack a window, but that didn't get rid of all that secondhand smoke. So, you know, I got to breed lots of carcinogens that summer. And uh, we would drive around, and he would be bawling out people and cussing out people. And he wasn't very nice, but as the months progressed, he started to ask me questions. And I could see the walls start to break down. And I wasn't perfect by any means, but I was trying to live my faith, trying to be a good witness. So he started to ask me about the church because he found out I was a Bible college student saving money. 
And we say, so how do they do the how do they do the finances there? How do they support the church? I know the Catholics do it this way. Tim was all about money, making money. So how do they do it there in the Protestant church? Well, you know, we give tithes. We give because we believe that, you know, we want to honor the Lord and support the work. And, and uh, he started to, to kind of get to know me and actually appreciate me. And I didn't quit after a month. I didn't even quit after two months. I worked the whole summer. And by the end of that summer, I had built trust with him, actually built a relationship, and I think he was actually sorry to see me go. Yeah, amen. See, the motorcyclists, they know. And so as we live our faith, you see the walls start to come down, don't they? And the, the hearts start to melt. But we have to earn that trust. We have to speak into people's lives and, and build a platform, build a bridge into their lives so that we have opportunities to share. And I got to plant a few seeds that summer. Um, God will melt hearts, even the hardest heart, but keep on living your faith. Amen? Keep on loving in action. And of course, through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, he's the one that brings them to that place where they'll say yes to Jesus. Number two, God humbles the proud and builds up the broken. He humbles the proud. Luke 14, 11 says this, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but everyone who humbled himself will be exalted. So I want to encourage you today, don't puff yourself up. You're just setting yourself up for a fall. The Bible also says pride comes before a fall. I would much rather humble myself, be proactive. Say, Lord, I know I'm nothing. I know I'm a sinner saved by grace. I'm a work in progress. Doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. I've been a Christian most of my life, but I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I will not stand before you and say I've got all the answers because I don't. I will not stand before you and say I'm perfect because I ain't. We're all a work in progress. You like that American slang? I'll slip that in every once in a while. You'll pick up on that. It's funny. When we moved to Canada years ago, um, we, we pastored in both western and eastern Washington. There's two different cultures there, the Cascade Mountains. So Seattle is not Spokane, and Spokane is not Seattle. Spokane is more traditional values, kind of laid back, down to earth. Think of like Calgary, Alberta, if you will. Seattle is very progressive, very liberal, you know, very, um, you know, cutting edge in different ways and, and the politics of a certain way of happening there. And, but we grew up more in eastern Washington. And so there's a lot of cowboys. And when we moved up to Canada some years back, we thought, man, it's, it's, people are so polite here. And uh, it just seems like they're a little classier here in Canada than they are in the States. And I'm a dual citizen, so I can kind of have fun with both. And but man, it's a little more sophisticated. I don't know if it's the British influence or what, but it just seemed a little bit classier, a little bit, you know, a cut above and, and, and it just more sophisticated. And then we went to Walmart. <laughs> and with the, ah, that's where they all are. Walmart's the great equalizer, isn't it? I love Walmart, and we give Walmart a hard time, but where else can you show up in your sweatpants and your bedroom slippers? and order what you need, and, and you know, it doesn't matter. Even if you didn't shower for a day or two, you're still going to smell better than the person probably next to you in line. You show up at Walmart, and it's just people being people, right? And, and so we kind of realize, yep, Canada is just like the U.S. We're all the same. We all have our issues. We're all a work in progress. Good people and everybody in all walks of life. You know what? God loves us all equally. So never think you're more higher than you are. The Bible is very clear don't think yourself more highly than you ought. We're all are just simple people that need a Savior, and that's Jesus. Amen? Amen. 
So let's love one another. God humbles the proud, but he builds up the broken. He humbled the apostle Paul. You see, uh, Saul, a.k.a. Paul, was a proud Pharisee, schooled in Judaism, schooled at the foot of the a very esteemed, highly regarded pharisaical teacher, Rabbi Gamaliel. And he was like the professor of his day. That's who Paul was schooled under. So he knew the law inside and out. He knew the law, and he felt more than likely that he was a cut above everybody else. Certainly hated this despicable new movement called the way, which was the Christian faith, followers of Jesus. He hated them. He thought they were way off base, and they were disrupting pure Judaism. They were disrupting pure doctrine, and he knew better. He knew best, and he was going to arrest them. Didn't matter if it was men or women, young or old. He'll throw them all in jail. He was present at the stoning of Stephen when Stephen was stoned for his faith to death, and he was in full agreement. So Paul was this person that just hated the church. So God had to humble him because he needed to be humbled. So much so that he lost his sight, he was blinded, and he had to be led by the hand like a little toddler to Damascus. How embarrassing was that? You know, the guy who was always in charge, telling other people what to do, come here, I'll show you where to go. God will humble us if we don't humble ourselves. Amen? And yet he built him back up. He saved him beautifully, filled him with the Holy Spirit, and immediately Saul became Paul. Paul began to preach and teach. See, there's just a different form of that word, Saul and Paul. One comes from more the Hebrew setting. One comes from more the Greek Roman setting. So Paul reflected his conversion, and he began to be referred by Paul once he got saved. The Lord told Paul that it was hard to, quote, kick against the goads. Anybody wonder what that is? If you're a farmer here, you may know. A goad is a stick with a pointed piece of iron that's used to prod the oxen and keep them in line when they're plowing the fields. And if the oxen would start to veer, they would be prodded with this stick with a sharp piece of iron, basically sticking them to get them back. And, and so Paul was like trying to go against God. The principle was, don't try to fight God. He is God. He's going to have his way. Surrender to him. Serve him. Follow him. And it's going to be much easier in your life. Finally, number three this morning is this. God asks for obedience to fulfill his perfect plan. I want you to notice something here. Ananias was an integral part of this story. It's not all about Paul. There was a man named Ananias who had to be willing to overcome his fear, step out of his comfort zone, and go minister to somebody that he was afraid of for his life. He was a godly man, and although he was afraid of Paul, knowing the reputation, knowing the situation, knowing that he had intentionally gotten letters so that he could rest not only people in Jerusalem, but out in Damascus. He's spreading out now. He's going to round them up and throw them in jail. He was willing to say yes to God. And because of that, God used him to perform a miracle. How many think it's pretty neat when you pray for somebody and that person receives the answer that they're looking for? It happens. And when we're willing to say yes to God and we pray, and we pray in faith believing, James says, if you don't believe, that person should not expect to receive. You're like a double-minded person, unstable in all their ways. So pray in faith believing. Faith is what God responds to. That's what he honors and responds to that moves his hand but Ananias was willing to say yes to the Lord I will go and pray for this man 
And notice his uh, expression when he got to Paul. He said, Brother Paul. He could have stood a few feet away and say, okay, I'm coming in the room now. But if you try something, I've got a rock right here, or I've got a club in the other hand. But he said, Brother Paul, the Lord has spoke to me, and he spoke to you. I'm here to pray for you. And because he was willing to say yes to Jesus, Jesus used Ananias to perform a miracle. He got to be the vessel that God flew through that God flowed through with his power. And Paul was supernaturally healed. He was healed by the power of the Holy Spirit. When we say yes to God, he will use you. If you believe that, say amen. If we resist and we kind of kick against those goads, say, yeah, I don't want to do that, Lord. I know you're telling me to reach that person, to speak to that person, to stop doing what I'm doing and, and start a new pattern of life. You've been convicting me. Uh, you know I love you, but I'm just not willing or ready yet to give up certain things. I'm not quite at that point to let go of that hate, to let go of that resentment, to let go of that action, that lifestyle. I'm a work in progress. Just don't keep hounding me. I'll do it my time. But when we keep resisting, God can't bless us, and he can't use you to the fullest extent that he wants to. I want to be used of God however, wherever that he wants to use me. I don't want him to use me in a mighty and powerful way. I want my life to make a difference. I don't know if I've got a year left or a decade left or another 30, 40 years left. However long I'm here, I want the Lord to use me every day. Do you believe that? And that should be our prayer. Lord, use me each and every day. You know what? Tomorrow is gone. Or yesterday is gone, rather. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. All we have for sure is today. Let's use it. Let's redeem the time. Let's allow him to use us in wonderful, powerful ways. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. This is a verse, actually, that I believe Larry shared at our men's breakfast a couple weeks ago. Had a great time. We'll have more of those guys. Be ready. And there's things coming for the women, too. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will what? He will direct your path. The Lord used Ananias in a supernatural way. Because he trusted in the Lord that God knew what he was doing. He would keep him safe, that he really did love Paul and he really did have a plan. And uh, he trusted the Lord, he obeyed the Lord, and God used him in a mighty and powerful way. Could we all stand this morning? I'm going to ask Jason and the worship team to join us. Let's all stand and we're going to sing this next chorus together. And just before we do, we want to pray and ask the Lord to search our hearts and say, God, I'm surrendering all to you. Lord, change me. Do what you need to do in my life. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes as we pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, dear Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, that you are, were willing to come and save us. And you will intervene in our lives, O oh Lord, whenever you need to, however you need to. Lord, as, as Paul was thrown to the ground and blinded, had a revelation of who you are. We pray, dear Jesus, that you would just reveal to us each and every day more depths of your love, your truth, your power. Lord, we don't want to try to resist you, kick against the goads. Lord, we want to say yes to you every day to surrender all to you. Father, we pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed, please nobody looking around. If you're here this morning, you say, Scott, would you pray for me? I've been resisting a little bit, to be perfectly honest. It might be in something in your heart. It might be something God wants you to do. 
I don't know, and to be honest, I don't really need to know, but the Lord does, and you know, and it's time to give it up. It's time to surrender fully. Say, Lord, I give it to you. Forgive me, and now use me fully, I pray. If that's you, would you slip up your hand? I want to pray for you this morning. Let's get rid of that. Let's dedicate that. Amen. 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 Thank you. Praise your name. Secondly, if you're here today and you say, Pastor Scott, pray for me. I've heard what you had to say, and to be honest with you, I know that I'm not really living for Jesus as my Lord. I know about him. I know what I should be doing and could be doing, but I'm not doing it. I want him to truly be first place on the throne of my heart. If you need to make that prayer today and you'd like him to be your Lord, to save you, to love you, give you the abundant life now and eternal life later, I encourage you to slip up your hand. I'll pray for you right where you stand. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I want to make sure things are right. You slip it up if you need to today. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Praise your name. We're going to pray right now. And if you raise your hand for either of these calls, I'm going to pray for you. And then what we're going to do, we're going to sing this song that Jason's about ready to lead. And we're just going to open up this front. If you need personal prayer, come on up. This is your time. We want to pray for you. We have prayer workers. We have our our elders who are available. And we will pray for you for those specific needs. But let's pray collectively first. And if you raise your hand, I want you to pray right along with me and agree with me as we talk to the Lord. Let's all join our hearts together. Dear Jesus, right now we ask that you would forgive us, dear Lord, for those things that we have held back. Forgive us, dear Jesus, we pray, for any and all sin. Cleanse us and make us pure. Lord, we're sorry for, for resisting, and we want to surrender those things. Lord, it doesn't matter what it is. You know what it is, and we know specifically what it is. Whether it be unforgiveness, whether it be resentment, whether it be an unwillingness to step out and be used of you. Lord, we pray right now that we just surrender all to you. We will say yes to you, dear Jesus. We're not going to resist. Instead, we're going to agree with you and work in harmony together with you. Use us as your vessel, O God, we pray. Jesus, we surrender all to you and choose to serve you as our Lord, dear Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you for loving us and saving us. We surrender all to you, Jesus, daily. Lead, guide, and direct us. Use us for your honor and glory. And Lord, let us not hold back anything, but let us give it all to you. We love you, we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Jason, lead us. And if you need personal prayer, you come on up. We'll pray for you this morning. Praise your name. Thank you, Jesus, that who the sun sets free, you set us free indeed, Lord. Free from sin, free from condemnation. We have forgiveness. We have new life. We thank you, Lord, that you throw our sins into the sea of forgetfulness, your word declares. Lord, we just want to walk in that love and that liberty and to say yes to you every day, Jesus. Lord, when we allow you to transform us, then we can be salt and light to our world, and you can use us to flow through so that your love and power can transform others around us. Use us, we pray, dear Jesus, to be an active part of what you desire to do, just like Ananias was when he said yes to you and was willing to go and minister to Saul and pray for this brother. And Saul's life was transformed, and he became the apostle Paul. Lord, you bless both of them 
and use both of them in tremendous ways. Help us to be an active part daily of your plan by saying yes to you, Jesus. Bless us and go with us now, we pray. We pray that your blessing, Lord, would rest and abide upon every person. Lead, guide, and direct us, and we give you all the honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for being a part of this service. We're glad you came. We hope to see you again soon. Have a great day in the Lord.